It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. As we've been discussing all day today, we have a bipartisan infrastructure bill on the floor of the United States Senate, 2,702 pages. Uh, I've been thinking maybe we need a requirement that uh, before voting, everyone should have to do at least uh, 20 reps of uh, 2,702 pages uh, before you can cast a vote. Uh, I know that would be in lieu of actually reading the bill, but that's a different issue. Uh, But we have to get to the the bottom line of this. And what do we know for sure? Where are the fake fights? Where are the false choices? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. It is time to think again, and we are very pleased to be joined by Utah Senior Senator Mike Lee, who uh, spent the weekend in our nation's capital, and I believe other than those who were part of uh, negotiating the bipartisan bill, was the only member of the United States Senate on the floor uh, as the bill was presented. Uh, Senator, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Boyd. And Boyd, I love the idea of requiring 20 reps with the bill. I think that would be a, 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 a wise choice at this point. I think you could add to that by requiring anyone who votes for it to carry the bill around with them uh, for, I don't know, either a month or uh, a year, maybe a few years, given that it will take Americans years to pay for all of this. Either way, this is an enormous bill measured by weight, volume, cost, duration, any way you look at it. And it's significant. That's why we need to take our time with it. Yeah, and it may end up being a uh, an Olympic sport, I think, in 2024. So we'll have to watch that one as it as it plays out. So as as we look at this, and, and obviously we we always you know applaud uh, bipartisanship. It's it's a hard thing to come by these days, uh, but it it does often become uh, one of those fake fights and false choices uh, in terms of uh, kind of the unintended consequences. Yes. Uh, unintended consequences are always something that we have to look out for. And that's at an especially dangerous level when you're dealing with a relatively small handful of members who have been involved in writing it. Now, my, uh, my head goes off to, to those members who are willing to put the time into this. They're all people who I like and respect personally and professionally. That said, they have spent four months coming up with this. They've lived with this for four months. They've been able to debate it, discuss it, go back and forth. They haven't been through the committee process, so this hasn't been publicly aired. And so my view is that, look, it took them four months to get to this point. Even after that four-month period, they still needed an additional five days where they worked day and night. Literally, these people haven't slept in days uh, uh, to come up with the final details. I think given that it took them four months to come up with this certainly means that we ought to have more than a few days to review it and to vet it with our constituents and figure out what, whether it's good for the American people. 
Yeah, and I, I think that uh, leads to a host of things we're going to be watching and uh, we're trying to get people to be on the lookout for over the next 72 hours. Uh, and that is the the false choice, the fake fight uh, around speed and that we have to do this now, uh, that we can't have an amendment process uh, because we just don't have time or we've already done it right, so we don't have to. And then I think there are other uh, you know false choices that are being presented in terms of how this needs to be done, and uh, will it be done, my big question, will it be done in front of the American people? Right, exactly. And for it to be done in front of the American people means that it has to involve them. It means that all 100 senators need to have the opportunity to read, understand, and offer improvements on this legislation. And we need to have the ability to vote on changes to it. Any bill regardless of how it starts, can be made to be either better or worse than it was at the outset. But it's one of the reasons why we need a voting process, and a voting process that occurs on the record so that the American people can have a front row seat and understand the bill as it forms, as it comes together, and as it changes prior to final passage. As you look at some of those uh, potential changes, I know that the one thing that uh, always uh, puts my spidey sense on high alert uh, is when you have a bill that many senators believe is going to pass and, and be signed into law, that suddenly the, the lawyers and lobbyists start to come out of the woodwork and suddenly things start getting tucked in uh, to bills that uh, maybe shouldn't be there in the first place. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, to hide things in. There, there's always a very good chance that something will be hidden, sometimes deliberately, sometimes uh, unknowingly, uh, by the authors of the bill. Yet another reason why we need time in order to do this. But I've, I'm already working on amendments to the bill. Uh, I've got some that we're drafting right, uh, right now and that I hope to be able to vote on as soon as this afternoon or this evening. Uh, one of my amendments that we're, we're, we're calling Pay Less, Build More uh, is an amendment that would make the way we fund infrastructure in this country more effective and more efficient. It would actually give Americans access to a tax break, at least when it comes to the federal portion of the gasoline tax, and would allow uh, for these infrastructure projects to be carried out under a more expedient time frame without uh, years-long or decades-long NEPA process review. We're still going to have NEPA, but NEPA process needs to be subject to a shot clock. Look, watching basketball is a lot more enjoyable with the shot clock. Infrastructure funding would be a lot better and more effective and more efficient and less costly if we had a shot clock on the environmental review process. As you look at, uh, I think, one of the other big uh, fights and choices that we often get presented from Washington is that if we have something big that needs to be done, like infrastructure, uh, that it has to be done at the federal level as opposed to at the state level. Uh, As you look at the infrastructure bill, are there things in there that do shift some of that to the state or what can be done uh, in terms of having that proper balance in terms of uh, federal versus state? Yeah, great question. First of all, We already were leaning too heavily on federal infrastructure spending as compared to state infrastructure. Most of it is supposed to be handled at the state level. There are constitutional reasons for this, and there are also 
practical reasons why it makes more sense to have more of it handled at the state level. The minute you involve federal money on any highway project, any infrastructure project, all of a sudden you add on to it, you add to the cost of that project uh, easily 20 percent. Uh, in our state, sometimes it's more like 30 percent. It can be closer to 40 percent in some cases. As a result of this Byzantine labyrinth of federal regulations you have to comply with, the minute you add even a penny of federal spending. And so with the same amount of money, if we allowed the states to collect and spend that, uh, they would have that money going farther. It would result for each dollar in more steel and concrete going into the ground so that Americans can spend less time stuck in gridlock traffic and more time with their families. That's ultimately the goal of our infrastructure spending. And we'd be much better served by that by having more of it go to the states. Now, with the interstate highway system, yes, there is an obvious federal nexus there. There is an obvious reason why that should be and can be federal. But with surface streets, streets that start and stop in the same state, with bike trails, hiking paths, beautification projects, a lot of these things uh, really are much more naturally handled at the state and local level. Okay. And uh, finally, Senator, before I let you go, I know you've got amendments you're working on. That process is uh, going to begin on the floor of the Senate, uh, likely this evening, this afternoon, uh, and continue for the next few days. Uh, for the people of the state of Utah, uh, what should we be looking for? What should we be worried about as this process rolls out in the Senate uh, over the next 72 hours or so? One of the things that I think it's important to focus on is that the advocates of the legislation have um, gone to great lengths to say that the bill spends $550 billion. In fact, it spends $1.2 trillion. What, what they're pointing out there is that it's, it's only $550 billion in new spending. And then they claim that of that $550 billion in new spending, that it's all paid for and won't require any tax increase or adding to the deficit. I wish that were true, but as I look at the pay-for items in there, I see a lot of holes in them. I see a lot of places where uh, they don't have money coming in, uh, and in some instances, they've got revenue coming in that they attribute to a fee, which um, uh, in some cases can't be meaningfully distinguished from a tax. For example, they've got $13 billion coming in from a fee to be collected on the production and distribution of certain chemicals. What that really means is that American consumers will just pay a little bit more for every consumer product they buy. Uh, and so it ends up functioning sort of as a backdoor invisible tax on America's poor and middle class. They're also claiming that they're recovering about $250 billion of unused COVID proceeds. But it's not clear to me that that money was even appropriated to the level of $250 billion. It was just appropriated as such sums as may be necessary. And our, spend, our, our scoring protocols in Congress don't typically allow you to score that as a pay-for. So we're still going through the pay-fors to make sure that we understand them. But there are a lot of holes in what they claim will be in there, including the $56 billion that they're they're claiming we will collect an additional tax revenue in the long haul um, simply because of the infrastructure that will be built here. That's not how we score 
infrastructure bills in the United States Senate. To my knowledge, it's never how they've done that, and with good reason. It's a highly speculative endeavor to just assume that you know how much money it's going to generate over the long haul. All right. Uh, well, much, much more to come as we roll through the week. Uh, Utah Senior Senator Mike Lee, I appreciate you stepping out and uh, giving us an update, a little behind the scenes and some things to watch for as the debate on infrastructure continues in our nation's capital. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, Boyd. All right. Again, much, much more to come as it relates uh, to the 2,702-page bill uh, that is now on the floor of the Senate. And arguments for and against will continue to roll out over the next 72 hours as amendments start to get offered. Uh, There's a lot to assess. There's a lot of good things to think about. Most importantly, we've got to make sure we get it right and not rush it forward. Stay with us. Much more to come on KSL News Radio. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, You need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.